I am Tovacito. I believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And I believe it's our job to get us there. Every week, I will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The Remedy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Remedy with Tovacito and today, Janice Gant. Fan favorite, Janice Gant. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning in today. You guys are in, as always, for a huge treat. Um, Want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Kitty and Buster Williamson. Some of my very favorite people in the whole wide world um, made a very nice, large donation to The Remedy at the end of the year. So, hanging for several episodes. Thank you, Kitty and Buster. You are amazing. Some and- of my favorite people as well. Yes. <laughs> for sure, Kevin's. Um, okay, Janice, before we talk today, um, we got to encourage people. We're just a few more days out from our day together with all these fabulous women who have signed up for our little workshop. January, Saturday, January 25th. Um, so people have asked a lot of questions about what they can expect. Um, yeah. It's going to be a beautiful day. We're going to have it in your beautiful home. My rug came in. Oh, your rug came in. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) How does it look? Uh, Great. It looks great. I love it. (laughs) Awesome. I really can't wait to see your home. It's really fun. I'm so happy with it. Awesome. Yeah, I think our day is going to be fantastic. I just think it's going to be, I think it'll be a time of really a lot of learning and a lot of intimacy, which is emotional connection with other women and and fun and laughter and I just think it's going to be so much fun and I want to emphasize that this is very casual oh yes yoga pants yoga pants yes whatever you want to wear no white gloves needed at all (laughs) no no so we're all going to meet at your house Saturday January 25th from one to four we'll probably take a little snack break in between and probably have some gem juice and hummus and pesto and carrots yeah uh, because we know our audience <laughs> and no grilled cheese no yeah. grilled che- it's not like though, you're having me over oh, even though I, I want grilled cheese so bad I love grilled know, cheese I do too. <laughs> uh, so several women have already signed up submitted questions and uh for for you and i to tackle uh-huh. and address um, people have asked about body image people have asked about relationships people one girl submitted a question about uh, being single, like uh-huh. how do you, you uh-huh. embrace that? So we have all different age groups. We have um, we have a couple that are divorced, uh, several that are married, and a couple that are single. So it's kind of great tackles all walks of life. Um, and okay, you know what? Somebody asked what that you need to be thinking about. What one woman uh, registered and she said, "I'm cheating on my husband." Oh, yeah. And I don't know what's real and what's fantasy. If I should stay or should I go? Oh, interesting. And so yeah, that'll I, be really interesting I was to like, talk about. Ooh. And you know what? I mean, we, we, that's gonna, I appreciated the question because there's a, a whole bunch of people living in secret, you know? Sure. With secret relationships, secret addictions, secret. Secret lives, secret habits. You know what's interesting? There was a study done. This is like probably five or ten years old, but between the ages of 45 and 60, more women have affairs than men. Oh. Isn't that interesting? Wow. I know. I know. It's very interesting. So men that are younger or older tend to cheat more, but in between that that 45 to 60... uh Uh huh. We're talking about cheating today, so let's. I want to know why. Why what? Why they cheat? Yeah. Well, why that age group? Well, I think, and we'll kind of get into this more, but I think it's because women tend to develop a thicker tolerance level 
than men as far as, you know, one of the things that you and I've talked about before, women have not, we've not been taught to ask for what we want and to be very specific. And we've just been taught to be nice and keep your mouth shut. And if you look back, I don't know if you ever watched Mad Men, that series, it was so interesting because that was so, it was very valid, is that during that time period, women were expected, you know, to be saints in the kitchen and skanks in the bedroom and to not talk about anything and to not ask for things. Not and need then, anything. Right, not need yeah. to be needless, wantless, and that you just are supposed to be nice and just say yes. And beautiful. And, uh-huh. and yeah, and skinny available. and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And so with the women's movement, getting stronger and stronger and stronger and, and swinging back towards the middle away from almost a rebellious sort of mentality, you know, screw you, I'm not going to take it anymore, sort of an extreme. We've gotten a little more moderate in that we've become more stronger within Mm -hmm. so that we can say, I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that Mm -hmm. older group, especially if you think about women from their, you know, 55 to 65, they, um, you know, they're, they, a lot of women don't want to have a change. You know, some, a lot of women are financially dependent. Mm-hmm. And so they'd rather just act outside of their marriage. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I had a client who actually would, uh, I mean, she had a sex addiction, but she would go out to uh, truck stops and sleep with truckers. What? <laughs> yeah. It was so interesting. Of course, I ask a million questions. But it was, you know, but we'll get into that too because it was that gave her a feeling of self-worth that she did not get at all in her home. Wow. Because she was valuable. Yeah. You know, sex is a powerful thing. Sure. And so, you know, for men, it's so much of their drive is testosterone driven and and that and that really is true testosterone has a it has a huge sexual component i think i've said in here before you know when i was doing the pellets and i had zero testosterone and when they gave me testosterone for a while there it was really a little too extreme and i was like i mean I like your sex drive uh yeah i kind of wanted to throw my husband up against the wall (laughs) i mean (laughs) I bet he that loved it. too much information. <laughs> Can I give my wife some of that? I hope my children are not listening. <laughs> Sorry, Brad. <laughs> Sorry, Wesley. Sorry, Blair, and all your friends. But but really, it was so interesting because I thought about sex a lot more than I had. Wow. And I've got a good sex drive. You know, I like it. Mm-hmm. And um, but it was very interesting, and that really gave me a perspective about men. Wow. So you have the physiological component with men that is probably stronger than the emotional component, and then women have a stronger emotional component, and especially when they get a little older and they go through menopause, and then their their testosterone levels may drop and their estrogen levels may drop, and so they are more interested not so much just the physical but the emotional or the illusion of the emotional attachment and powerful Mm -hmm. you know there's you know and if I'm like I I hope I'm not I'm pretty calloused about talking about this so I hope that my descriptives are not going to be offensive to anybody but oh I don't think they're offensive I think they're helpful you know when say it when a woman when a woman has an affair with a married man she is Sex is very powerful, and women know it. Yep. Women seduce with sex, and men tend to seduce with power and money. And when that woman... Do you think that's intentional? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. I think that we know it. We know that our... I mean, you know, you walk into, a, <clears throat> you know, a restaurant or a bar, and you unbutton a button on your shirt, and... Yeah. You know, your cleavage is showing, and you walk past men, and they're going to look at you a lot more quickly than if you have on a turtleneck. Sure. And we know that. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. And so, and men know that women like power and money. Yeah. And that's why you'll see a lot of older men with very young women. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in your 30s and, um, and you're going out with somebody that's in their 60s, you know, I just always believe there's either there's some real big daddy issues there or it's a power and money mm-hmm. issue thing. Because mm-hmm. as women, we have not been taught to be financially independent. Mm-hmm. And so it's scary mm-hmm. if you're getting out of a marriage or if you want to be out of a marriage. And a woman, you know, get, is a trickster in the bedroom and so I always say, you know, sit on... Well, see, here I go. I'm about to be crude. But sit on that pee-pee and doing a 360, and that mind, that guy's brain is go, is doing 360s too. <laughs> and they leave there thinking, I am a god. Mm. And boy, was that fun. Mm. Because after you've been married a while, you know, it takes a real conscious effort mm-hmm. to keep your sex life sure. strong. Mm-hmm. But... But but women are never, ever, ever responsible for a man having an affair, and a man is not responsible for a woman having an affair. That's right. <clears throat> My stance is always, if you are thinking about having an affair or if you have an opportunity to have an affair, get out of your marriage. Yes. Because there's nothing, there's no dignity in messing around on somebody that you've made a lifelong commitment to. Yeah. And so... Amen to that. Yeah. I mean, and it, and not to sound callous, get out of your marriage, but get out of your marriage. Like, yeah. it is... Have have enough respect for yourself right. and for your partner and what what you created or promised or vowed. And, and if you don't want to do that anymore, then get out. Right. And I think, I think that out. the step before that, obviously, is to try to get some help about it and sure. to talk about it. Sure. Because we, we are all conditioned to not talk about all of these things. Yes, we are. And, you know, I, I've told... Well, it's sinful. It's sinful to, you know, in so many people's minds and hearts and eyes, temptation is sinful. And the truth is, temptation is not a sin. Right. Temptation is not a sin. No, it's we the behavior. Are all going to be tempted, whether right. you're in a relationship or not? If I tell when I do my premarital counseling, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I tell people at some point in your marriage, you will be tempted. You are a good-looking guy, and you're a beautiful girl, and it's going to get stale. It's going to get boring. Whatever it is, whether it's the relationship, the sex, the at some point. And, and then somebody's going to look at you the right way or, you know, touch your arm at just the right place mm-hmm. in just the right time and just the right vulnerable moment. And you're going to you're going to turn your head. It's going to get your attention. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, you will wonder what it will be like. What would it be like mm-hmm. to go outside of my marriage and sleep mm-hmm. with that person? Well, and, you know, if. I've tell uh, I've tell men this a lot because I'll have men that'll come in and they'll they'll tell me that they're having an affair and they're thinking about getting out of their marriage and and or they're thinking about having an affair and I always say to them if you if you can do it if you need to do it with me come in and we'll do it with her around but if if you don't need me which you really don't if you sit down and say look I am a little bored in this marriage. Yeah. I'm a little bored sexually because our life gets very sure. methodical. You know, guys sure. typically have been going to work and women have stayed home with kids. Now women are working and you've got all of these sporting events for kids and it, it is taxing and yeah. it is exhausting. Yeah. And so if, if your sex life, so affairs are really about sex for women, it's the emotional payoff as a result of sex. And for men, the sex feels like an emotional connection, an emotional payoff. So that's the more the, the woman is powerful in the relationship that she's having an affair in. And that's about, that's not as much about the sex, but she uses the sex to get the power. So the emotional empowerment. So anytime somebody messes around in their marriage, there's a shame component there. 
they are not feeling adequate. They're not feeling like enough. And so they look outside of themselves. And sex, you know, I mean, our brain chemistry changes drastically. Our brains are flooded with dopamine as a result of an orgasm. And so, and that's the same thing that cocaine does to our brains, you know. And so that's why guys will get into a full-blown sex addiction. And now with Internet and all of that stuff, you can have affairs without ever touching a woman's body because there's video apps that you can go on and women will, you know, do whatever you ask them to do and you can watch them, the guy can, or, or vice versa. If you're, you know, if you are a woman who likes women, women will go on those websites. And so then while the, while the person is doing things to herself or whatever, then the person will be masturbating. And I mean, there's all, you just would not believe all the different things that are out there. Yeah. And so when, so that dopamine flood as a resort of the or- orgasm is a drug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they feel alive. You um, haven't felt that feeling right. in so long. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's and right. then that becomes the addiction. Yeah, it really does. And you know what's, women, are, and we've talked about this too. I don't want to be repetitive, so no. get me off if no. I'm if I'm doing that. Hey, listen, we all need to hear all this stuff multiple times. Well, you know, women. It's really difficult for women to want to be sexual when they're really tired at the end of the day, and men are very different. Men can be sexual, you know, if they're exhausted, and so what I just couples need to really understand that and they need to talk about it with each other and women need to understand that men want to have sex Mm -hmm. and I think women do too Mm -hmm. but when they're so tired and overwhelmed that's kind of one of the last things they want to do right you know and so I think that we have been raised your generation is so much better than mine because my generation just did not talk about sex at all Mm -hmm. no my mother said to me, if, if you don't have enough sex with your husband, then he'll cheat. You know, so, you know, that was Thanks, kind Ma. of an, yeah, where's that limit, you know? Uh, but that was her mentality, you know. And your generation. It was dutiful. Because she was mm-hmm. dutiful. And your generation is a lot more empowered, understanding that it really needs to be a joint decision. I think we're getting there. I but, do, too. I but, really do. But I, I think my generation's pretty much there. Uh I don't know. How Beca- old are you, Kevin? Uh, thirty-four. Yeah, uh, you're y'all are closer than we are for sure, and I think we're closer than than yeah. my parents' generation. Definitely. But I still have to say, where I see a disconnect in it, especially with all the young couples that I marry and counsel, couples, women are still having a difficult time asking for what they want. That's right. And and if there is trouble in the marriage, if you know, if somebody is not getting what they want sexually or what they really really want sexually, they're still having a difficult time talking about it. Or if sex isn't what it used to be, or or right, or they they are being tempted in some way, shape, or form. Um, they're still having a difficult time having those conversations. You're right. And but I'm not a good case study. I've only been married nine months. Yeah, so that's <laughs> right. I don't need those yet. Yes. If you're if you're thinking something else, you you probably need to call me. Probably in trouble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I encourage all the couples that I, one of the things we talk about is when you're married. When well, now I mean you're engaged. So from now on, I encourage. I encourage couples to do a weekly or bi-monthly check-in and mm-hmm. take the things that are important to you, whether it's sex, fi- you know, the things that are important in every marriage, right. communicating, parenting, sex, finances, and just do a check-in. Right. How are we doing? How are we- You know what? You've been spending a little bit too much money lately. We got to get back on track. Right. Um, right. Hey, we or, are- let's, or let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's, we're not having let's- sex the way that we used to. What Let's... Instead of it being untalked, you know, never addressed, or and and or it being a fight, right. you know, or or all of that coming out because some somebody blows up because right. you've just been stuffing it, stuffing it, stuffing it. Right. So a check in, 
you know, weekly, every other week, Sunday nights, you know, hey, how are we doing? Like, Well, and plus, I think that it's important for women to to be able to ask their partners, are you, are you satisfied? I mean, yeah. they'll never say, they're kind of like my grandchildren when I, they will never say, Tutu, don't, please stop buying me presents. They would never say that. So I don't think a guy's going to be like, okay, we got to cut back on this sex. <laughs> and it's because of the testosterone, that component. And then I do want to talk about the emotional payoff for men too, because I think that's actually very powerful. But they, uh, but to be able to say, are you content with yeah. our sex life? Is there something that you would would like to do for us to spice it up yeah. and you, you're not going to act outside of your value system because remember if if somebody asks us to do something and it's outside of our value system we can say no right and I don't want women to feel like oh my gosh I've got to do all of these things I've got to swing from the rafters so that my husband is satisfied you don't you know but it's negotiable mm-hmm. it's the same thing it, you know for men to be able to ask their wives so are you getting enough non-sexual touch from me? Are you? Do you realize, do I tell you enough that you're pretty? Do I tell you enough how much I appreciate you? Mm-hmm. Women telling men, did I, do I tell you enough how much I appreciate how hard you work? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so there are all of those emotional components that if you will speak it, mm-hmm. it will help your sex life. Mm. Because a sex life, a good sex life is the benefit, a, a healthy that's a better word. A healthy sex life is the benefit of a good communication in relationship. Mm. And so that's really essential. Why is it so hard for people? It's still hard for me. Why is it so hard for people to ask for what they need? Well, so I don't think it's, it's hard for people to ask for what they need. It's what they want. Mm. There's a big yes. difference. Yes, yes, yes. I need yes. food. I need right. water. Right. We're pretty good at that. Right. You're um, right. You're new right. shoes. Yep. Good at that. <laughs> but uh, but it's but it's more about what we want. Yeah. Hey, I would like for us to, you know, yeah, do blah blah blah. Yeah. Or I would I like would, for us to spend more time together. I would yeah. like for you to tell me I'm pretty. Uh, more often. Yeah. I would like a little reassurance every once in a while about how you feel about me. I need you to hold my hand. Right. More. Right. More. I and, mean, and, to, and, want for, you. and for guys to be able to say, hey, I would like for us to, I mean, there are people who really do enjoy dressing up in costumes and stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of things that couples can do to spice up their sex life. But men don't typically ask for that. Mm. Even if they want it. Even if they want it. Because, Why? Because I think they're they're scared that their wives are going to be like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. And I think that as, as women that want to foster a good relationship, that it's really important for women to understand that it is a good thing that your husband wants to have sex with you yes. or your boyfriend. Yes. It's a really good thing. Yes. So when they ask for it, if you can be kind in saying, mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? I'm so tired. I just can't do that right now. Man, I love you, and I think you're the hottest guy that's ever walked the yep. earth. So let's schedule doing it on Saturday or so, or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, but but communicating about that. Yeah. You want it's the good. spontaneity, though, you know? It's not sexy when you have to ask, like, <laughs> well, every once in a while, you know? You want to feel like it's well, not your idea. <laughs> no, and, and actually, Kevin, that's a really good point because uh, that guys across the board say that that they want the the women to initiate it every now and then mm. and so yeah it doesn't have to be all the time no no it but but it sure. really does make a difference because men have the same need desire to be attractive to you as women it's an ego thing it is even though it's y'all self- don't say it well it's actually not as much an ego thing as it's i want to be loved yeah because underneath that ego is this shame stuff i want to be lovable to you mm-hmm. i want to be i want you to be attracted I want to be me. desirable yeah. yeah so guys like hearing all that stuff just like women do just definitely like women mm-hmm. and you don't have to say yes when you want to say no mm-hmm. but you know, leave the eye roll out and be like, oh yeah. gosh, it's just never enough for you. I mean, then that's a put down for the guy. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, guys, 
again, we're getting better with this, but guys are not raised typically with parents who talk about feelings. Mm. So, and we've talked about this also. So guys don't get in the football huddle and talk about their fear or their Mm -hmm. sadness or something like that. And so what happens when a guy, and so if you think, look back and think about a 16 year old boy, very few 16 year old boys are talking with their friends about their feelings. Right. The very first time they have sex so so you can assume that 16-year-old boys have probably masturbated. Mm-hmm. And so they, they know what the orgasm feels like. But the orgasm is a whole different subject than the skin-on-skin feeling, mm-hmm. that you have an energy shift that goes between the individuals that is like nothing else. Mm-hmm. And so the 16-year-old boy or 17-year-old boy has sex for the first time, and he feels a sense of value and a sense of connection that he's probably never felt mm. because he wasn't raised with. That's why some men cry when they uh, have an orgasm. Mm. It's it's a release of emotion. Mm. And so what happens That then, is so fascinating and so interesting. So this is the first time that they are feeling. Fully feeling mm-hmm. at that level. In an intimate. In that intimate Mm-hmm. Yes, and mm-hmm. they don't even know what it is. So it, there's mm-hmm. that emotional component that's associated with the sex, but because they're not equipped, they're not equipped to even mm-hmm. realize it is emotional. Mm-hmm. I feel, I feel lovable. Mm-hmm. I feel happy. Mm-hmm. I feel this connection with this person that I've never felt before, mm-hmm. so, and especially if it's a. Uh, you know, if you if these if there's been a crush on this person before, because most sixteen year olds are going to have sex with somebody that is um, that they're in a relationship with. Now that has changed a little bit because the there are a lot of kids in the high schools and stuff that think that oral sex is not intercourse; it's not a sexual relationship. So. Mm-hmm. The girls have gotten in the habit, not all of them, obviously, Mm -hmm. but a lot of girls have gotten in the habit of doing that to guys in high school so that then they still conceive, you know, perceive themselves as not having sex, which is ludicrous. I mean, it's, it's the same thing, Mm -hmm. basically. But the, but the, but if you're in a relationship with somebody and that first time you have sex, it's powerful. Mm -hmm. And that's, so... So the emotional component is as strong for men as it is with women, but they don't realize it a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So that's why they, they, we as women look at it and think it's just physical for them, mm-hmm. but it's not because if it was, they can, you know, they can masturbate and they can have their own sure. orgasm. An orgasm is an orgasm is an orgasm. But it isn't. Mm-hmm. It just isn't. Mm-hmm. And it, and when you talk about that with men, they say, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so, if you cry after masturbating, that might be weird. Well, it is weird. What it, is weird? What would you say? <laughs> if you cried after masturbating but, you know what? You know what that is? You know what that's actually? Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't. You wouldn't cry after masturbating. But they, some men do cry after intercourse. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Why is that with some people and not others? I think it's because if you look at the... Uh, on the scale zero to a hundred of emotional abuse and neglect, the further they are out on that scale of extreme emotional abuse and connect and not being able to talk about feelings and being raised with parents who didn't nurture that feeling awareness, it takes, it goes way out. But why do some men, will that happen with certain women and not others? Not oh. other women or not other... Why will that happen? Like a guy might cry with one person when he's with her, but not someone else. Well, I think if he's just, just a slim bam, thank you, ma'am, I think that he might not, but he still might. But I think the deeper the emotional connection, the more you can you see that. It's not real um, common, but it does happen some. Whereas women don't typically have that experience um, because they have... You know, they've been taught that it's okay to talk about your feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had that a bunch, but I think for guys, it's humiliating. Most guys don't ever talk about that. Something you try to kind of hide, honestly. Yeah, I would think so, too. Even from the person you're with, you don't want a girl to know that you're, yeah. you know, that you got all 
gay. I know that's like an term that's not politically correct that. to say that these days, but that's just my generation, you know? Kevin. I know, I know. It's not like I have anything against, there's nothing wrong with being gay, but. Well, well, honestly and truly, I do think that that's kind of interesting. And I, I do think that gay men have, have a, because their bodies are somewhat different than a straight guy, I think they do have an added sensitivity. And I think that that in the gay community, although they have, you know, gays, you've got testosterone with testosterone, and they you can get into some pretty wild sexual experiences and stuff, and some aggression and stuff. But I do think that there's a sensitivity, and so I think that they, I think that gay men can have a lot of times a much more powerful sex life than a straight guy and a woman. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Other guys, if they cried after intercourse, are worried they'll be perceived as weak by the female. But I don't know that that's actually true. Oh, I I would not perceive that as weak. Really? Mm-mm. I would think that would be so sweet. I, I think that if you're kind of more higher, highly evolved, I think you would think it was sweet. I think a lot of women would think it was weird. Really? Yeah, yeah I do. Because they just are not educated about that. It would be like, whoa, where did that come from? Mm. So I think if you're in a relationship, if someone is not as weird, but yeah, if it was like a one-time thing, right, you, right, that right, would be kind of weird. Sure. No, I agree. You're I'm right. only, I'm thinking that I'm in a relationship with this person, yeah. and if they if they became emotional while we were being intimate, I would think that that would be sweet. Well, and what I think what I think would happen with that typically is that I don't think that would be a pattern. I think that if the woman is understanding and is empathetic with the man and talks about it and tell me about what those tears are about. I feel so connected to you, blah, blah, blah. Then I think that I don't think the guy would probably cry every time they had intercourse. I think that it would, but I think it would be a deep connection because, Mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of people that don't look at one another when they're having intercourse, they shut their eyes. Mm -hmm. And if, if, if people look at each other, that's a higher level of emotional yeah. involvement too, and a much deeper connection. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, so I think that cheating is a result of unhappiness mm-hmm. in a marriage. Now, you there is sex addiction, mm-hmm. which there's a really good book called Out of the Shadows, and it's by Patrick Carnes. He was one of the guys from the Meadows, which is where I did all of my training, who really kind of put a a format around sex addiction and it talks about the different levels of sex addiction what it looks like and all of that and it's an interesting very interesting book if anybody uh, thinks they may have a sex addiction or if they think their partner might have a sex addiction I would encourage people to read that book because it's highly descriptive but but sex addiction is like alcohol addiction or food addiction or exercise addiction or work addiction. It is doing something for the emotional component, for the benefits of that emotional component because they are emotionally children. Mm. They're emotionally immature. They're a child. They haven't been taught to connect with their emotional self because of shame. Mm. So again, it's a shame-based behavior. And they have chosen sex as a coping mechanism for this. Well, it's like coke. I mean, it releases all that dopamine in your brain. So that's why, you know, a lot of people will keep their old contacts, old girlfriends or old boyfriends in their phone. Mm -hmm. You know, and I tell if people are dating and they come in, and the woman or the guy says, you know, they've got all of their old girlfriends and boyfriends in their phone. I make, a, I say, well, erase it. Mm-hmm. And people will be like, oh, are you kidding? You know, because it's kind of their stash. Mm-hmm. Because especially if they've had a sexual relationship with them, you know, they kind of keep that. It's like they're bottling the <laughs> You're like, trunk. I might need that again someday. Is That's that more right. common with men? Yes. Yeah. Well, no, because women have a lot of love addiction stuff. Mm-hmm. So they'll keep those. They'll keep those old boyfriends. They will typically have fewer numbers because they would keep the people that they had uh, a real relationship with. And so, and I'll tell the woman if the guy is like, "I'm not going to erase all those contacts," then I'll tell the woman, "Don't be with him." Wow, because he's keeping his stash. Mm-hmm. That's he's using that 
for emotional, and, and they'll say, well, we're just friends. And I'm like, mm-mm. You just don't get to be, you don't get to have female friends that you've been sexual with. Yeah. I would not be okay with that. No, Mm-mm. no, me neither. Mm-mm. You know, I, I and even if okay you, you know, even if you wanted to have a friendship, that friendship would need to be with that person and you and your partner, if your partner were okay with that. Yeah, I But like, that. if it's a woman calling a, let's say that you were in a relationship and the guy that you're in a relationship with, his he had an old girlfriend that would call him and wanted to hang out with y'all and stuff. Then what I would say is that girlfriend needs to call Tova, Mm -hmm. not you. Mm -hmm. And then that relationship needs to go through you. Yeah. Because that's where people get, you know, when you're meeting your best friend for a beer and that's a guy, you know, if, if they're, if you consider this person one of your best friends or you had a, rela- a real strong relationship and before with them before, that's a, there's an emotional memory around that. Sure. And that's still part of you. Sure. So you have to bring that partner in, at least to get their permission for you to go have lunch with that person. Right. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want Tom to go have lunch with any of his old girlfriends. Heck no. Mm-mm. No. In fact, whenever I text one of my girlfriend's husbands, mm-hmm. I always copy my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. That's so smart. Toby. Yeah. It just, really is. Well, it's of, so considerate. It, it is. And, and, and I don't ever, like I would never want one of my friends to hear from their husband. Oh, Tova texted me today. Uh, and like, what, uh, you know, I, I, let me tell you, and you know this just as well as I do with the counseling that you do, like, it is not uncommon for friends who, couple friends, to start sleeping with each other. Right. I mean, it's it happens all Wait, the what does? time. Well, not a switch, but like one yeah. of them. Yeah, not what? a switch. Right. Not like swinging. But no, no, like, no. But like, I would one start One cheated with the other or gotcha? One of my best friend's husbands. Yeah. That's and pretty dark. It happens all the time, Kev. Yeah, that's messed up. And you know, makes me feel better that I don't have. They any friends, go on so. vacation together. <laughs> they, they, yeah. you know, they've spent a lot of time together. They go out together all the time, and you know, there's, it, it happens often. Which means there's probably a connection happening there that the other two are oblivious of during all that time. Yeah, but yeah, it's, that's that's dark. That's messed up. And it happens all the time. And so you just have to protect. You really have to protect those boundaries. Well, when you're with a friend, friendships are intimate. You have emotional intimacy. You have probably some physical intimacy in that you will hug one another when you see them or they'll, you know, give you a kiss on the cheek or something like that. So there is that connection. And so you just have to be aware of that. Yeah. Because it is a and slippery be slope. Very and, sensitive. And be sensitive to your own marriage. That's mm-hmm. what it's all about. Mm-hmm. I think that cheating, you know, I, there are many reasons why I would not ever cheat. But the, probably the main reason is because I would never do that to my husband. Yeah. It is the most painful, yeah. that sort of betrayal is more difficult to get over than death. A thousand percent. I say all the time that my marriage ending and the reasons around that was more painful than losing my children. Mm-hmm. And people, their eyes pop out of their head when you know when people come to me and I'm talking with them or counseling with them and they're going through that. I and they're in so much pain and they're hurting and. And I say, I know, I get it. Like I, and I, when I share that with them, they cannot believe it. But it's true. I mean that that pain, it it, it is. It's terrible pain. And I, I mean, I was just telling Kevin. Um, after we leave here, I'm I'm meeting with someone that I'm counseling with, and there's an affair going on, and uh, like it's really. There's there's so much of life, and I think this is the part about infidelity that's very difficult for me. There's so much of life that I have seen and you have seen that is completely out of our control. Right. 
people get cancer, people get in accidents, people, uh, I mean, there's just, you could get a phone call today and where something happens to you or somebody you love and, and you can't believe it and it was a tragedy and unexpected, completely out of your control. There are so many people that I meet with and I know you meet with who have created trauma and tragedy and heartache and and it was all within somebody's control. Like, mm -hmm. and I and I think that is one of the most difficult things about cheating and infidelity for me is like this was a decision. This was in your control to d this pain did not have to happen. Right. It didn't happen to you. It You caused it to yes. happen. You, yes. Well, and you know, it takes so long oh. to trust somebody again. And I think mo some of the time, maybe even most of the time, they the people never really are able to fully trust their partner. Now, yes, I hear about it all day long, people cheating. But, and I mean, and I... I think Tom Gant would be one of the last people on earth to cheat, but I mean, he could. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, there are never any guarantees in a relationship. Sure. But if once that betrayal happens, that part of the marriage, the very foundation of that marriage has mm -hmm. been obliterated. And to get that reestablished takes a long, long, long time, long time. if it's able to happen at all. Yeah. A long, 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 long and time. And so, you know, people and cheat because they make a decision to act outside of their value system mm -hmm. because I don't really believe it's in anybody's value system. I mean, if you ask somebody, is it in your value system to lie mm -hmm. or to sneak and or to steal? Yep, yep. Nobody, I mean, it's not in anybody's value system, right. but they get so hung up in their own emotional strife that that becomes a solution. Yeah. And the ability to feel lovable is, is powerful. It's very powerful. Yeah. Think about how powerful it is. I mean, it it takes really good people and it 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 takes it takes really good people down, you know? Yeah. Like that that feeling of being desired and loved and wanted and you know, this excitement and the newness and the fantasy of this relationship. I mean, it's it's so dang powerful. Well, you know what's interesting about it too is that the 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 excitement and the thrill and all of that around it happens when you're in the midst of it, of being sexual with that person or driving to meet him or or, you know, thinking about it, planning for it. But the moment it happens, guess what? People feel guilt and shame. Mm. You because mean the second it's over? The second it's over. Oh, wow. That's and, interesting. And then Every that builds upon itself. Yes, because it's not in anybody's value system. Mm. You know? Are you saying that when people do that, the second that their orgasm is over, they have this, it's like they come to you and they have an awareness of... What am I doing? Well, they're going to feel it in their gut. Mm. They're feeling it because... Do it, people tell you that all the time? Yeah, if you ask them, mm. you know, because it is because it's not in their value system. Mm -hmm. You know, I, sure. I mean, people will rationalize it and justify it and sure. minimize it and all of that. But sure. that's a defense mechanism mm -hmm. that is utilized to make that guilt and shame go away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But underneath it, then... That even even people who are really really into pornography, you know, they feel terrible about it wow. when they get off. You know, after they've had a, after they've masturbated, then they they feel shame. Wow. It's like the person who has an alcohol addiction. After the the morning after, they the feel binge. guilt and shame, mm -hmm. or somebody that steals, or somebody, you know, when I mean, the euphoria of it is over, mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. and reality sets in, it's. Mm -hmm. It's, and so then there's a cycle. 
So then mm-hmm. you've got the shame mm-hmm. that's intensified and the guilt that was probably underneath their shame anyway, mm-hmm. not so much guilt, but then you've got guilt layered on shame. Mm-hmm. So then that gets deeper, the shame gets bigger, and then the that's where tolerance comes in and then the addiction increases. Mm-hmm. And so then the, you're trying to keep that high so that you don't have to come face to face with the reality of what you've done to your family, to your partner, Mm -hmm. to your children. Every single time somebody comes in my office and they tell me about a a couple that I'm working through, that one of them has had an affair, I say, which one of your parents had an affair? And there is always somebody. Wow. Because that, that energy goes out into that environment. That's terrible. Because it's uncontained sexual energy. You know, because if you, it contained sexual energy is, oh gosh, I'd like to have sex. All right, well, I'll breathe or I can take care of myself or whatever I'm going to do, but I don't go out and sleep with somebody, you know, so that's the lack of containment that causes the, and so if that sexual energy is not contained, then sexual energy, you can, you can feel it kind of, you know, and so that goes out in the environment and guess who sucks it in? Kids. Because they're emotional sponges. Mm -hmm. And then they'll tend to act it out. Or they'll marry somebody that's going to act it out. This is why I spent 30 years saying I would never, ever get married. (laughs) I'm serious. (laughs) So like stuff like this is inevitable. I'm like, I'll never, ever get married. Yes, but awareness is the key. Sure. So when you're aware. Sure, that's a great thing to say. And you think, okay. You know, if, if, if some guy is angry with his wife because she's refusing to have sex, and I understand that that, that I think that anger is very real and, mm-hmm. you know, justified, sure. it's a feeling, then if they are aware of it and are like, okay, there's a propensity in my family for people to act out sexually, and I know that if I do this, then it's going to affect my children then that may be a barrier to stop it. Yeah. So it doesn't happen to people. Right. People it, make a choice to do it. And yes. I can tell you honestly, because I've been in many, many relationships throughout my life, every single one, except for my current one, I was tempted multiple times. Yeah. So I think, you know, that plays into it. When You kind of know when you meet someone that you're like, I could never, you know, betray this person. It's like, I could not live with myself type. Yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of when you... When you know, but I think a lot of people rush into marriage these days. Well, I just, I mean, you never know. It's a its a bit of a crapshoot. Well, the whole concept You're, is so bizarre of picking one person forever and ever to be like, and you know, to marry to. It just My whole life growing up, I'm like, I that think just that sounds is, so unnatural and I weird. I think that like, is a year generation mentality because that could be. I look at... I look at being with someone, or maybe it's a person-to-person thing. it's just a me thing. I think I was just a weird person. No, because I've heard that. No, I've heard that a lot before. From men. Yeah, probably. Probably more. But I look at, I mean, I can't tell you, Janice, how many people, and this would be interesting from your perspective, uh, how many of my girlfriends who are married, um, who look at me, single, dating, and they're like, oh my gosh, tell like, are, who are you dating? I'm like, did you have sex? You know, they want to know. And it, to them, my life and dating and getting out there and being, you know. They're looking vicariously they, through you. They are like, God, that would be so much fun. Yes. <laughs> I do that with my brother because he's a single guy in LA all the time. I'm like, oh man, tell me all about like <laughs> what you're up to. And you know what I want to say? It, I would die to be you. I would die. I mean, I could get choked up. Like when I got married in 1999, I, the only thing I wanted was to spend my life with one person for the like. Me I had too. dreams of holding hands on beach. I would. I never had those dreams. Oh, it's what <laughs> I want. Like, like if I had to have sex with the same per- person for the rest of my life, that sounds great. That would be the greatest joy, because that would mean. I found 
well, a, a person that I want to spend the rest of my in life In my with. rehearsal dinner, it's funny. My brother and sister, both in their toasts to me, said his entire life, Kevin said he would never get married. I'm like, do you really need to be telling my future in-laws <laughs> this? Like, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from, but come on. Well, you know, that does the, not sound like a burden to the me. The thing, when I I look at, at my marriage with my husband right now, and it is the greatest blessing that that, mm. that I I if anything happened to Tom I would not even think about looking for anybody else because and it, it it's not perfect. Mm. I mean, we disagree sometimes but not really very often. Mm. We don't fight. He's so kind to me. I mean, I have it's not a burden when you find that mm-hmm. person and you learn you know, we're older and we both divorced, so we had a lot of learning experiences mm-hmm. that we know that there's nothing that would drive us apart. I agree. I mean, I know I'm not, it's, it's, not in as long as you. But yeah, it's really awesome. It is. I, mean, I couldn't it, believe how excited I was to get married. I'm I, like, I never thought that would happen. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. It is. so. And when you, like, when if you have that, hang on to that. no. And, and if you had that and you're struggling, get, fight like hell to get it back. And if you're thinking about acting outside of your marriage, call somebody. Call yeah. me. Yeah. Call Tova. Yeah. Call somebody and talk about it. Yes. Because it will really, when you put words to it yeah. and those words leave your mouth and you can see them out there and see the effect of that choice it will make a difference mm-hmm. because you can, you know, we can rationalize in our brain how great and exciting and thrilling and all of that it's going to be. And it's not. It's loaded with guilt and shame. Guilt is the worst emotion ever. Uh, and, and it affects, it, it affects you. Oh, like, yeah. It, it I could such a horrible see, feeling. I could well the sh- you it's, see it. It the shame. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. am a bad person. Yeah. Guilt is about the behavior. The shame is about the value of the person. Yeah. And acting outside of your marriage will corrode the value that you have of yourself. There's no way. Yes. Beyond it. Yeah. Can I ask you a question, Jess, yeah. before we go? Sure. I've asked you this one before, but it still blows my mind because I always love to hear it. But you think it really is actually possible for a marriage where there's been infidelity to completely reconcile and get and, back and be okay and still be okay? Yeah. I. Uh, now, just think to be lifelong resentment there would be in the back of your head. Well, it's like a, I have I have a couple of a couple of couples who one of them have had an affair. And they have remained marriage, and they are both very committed to one another. But it takes a long, long time. Had they both been unfaithful? No, or just one. Just one? Okay. In both of the couples that are, you know, long time. I mean, they've been married probably 20 years since the affair. Oh, wow. And I think that, uh, but I think that sometimes when the affair happens earlier, then the, uh, even if, I think that there's more time to get to build that trust. Whereas if somebody's in their 60s, let's say, and their partner cheats, it's really hard. I mean, they may stay together just because of the financial or, or something. Or kids or something like that. Uh-huh, or they've but, been together so long. And yeah, it's whatever. like, uh-huh. But they're not going to have probably a good relationship. You know what I cannot believe? I cannot believe how many people are so unhappily married. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's why I never wanted to get married. It just it, it seems like that's so my common. Heart. Like and divorce is so common. Yeah. But a good marriage is the implementation of a set of skills. Mm. It is not that's not fairy dust that falls yeah. down from heaven. Yeah. It's about communication and the implementation of skills. Yeah. That's it's really what it, good. It is something we do. It's not something we have. It's yeah. like a good golf swing. And so it's really if, good, Janice. It, so it's not, it's not, we're not powerless over the state of our marriage. Sure. We yes. are, we're probably more empowered to make that better yeah. than anything else we can do. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I, I have, I've been dating a guy and we talk about it like, cause we have so many friends and I mean, he has a couple of friends that like, 
they're just so unhappily married and they don't do anything about it. They're just in a bad marriage. Well, I just don't think they know what to do. I really don't. So, so for that, we're kind of off topic, but where for somebody who's listening and is unhappily married and not like where do they start? What Well, well, I think that the first thing I would suggest that they do is that they read Terry Reel's book, mm-hmm. The New mm-hmm. Rules of Marriage, mm-hmm. because it talks book. about the implementation of these skills. And then I think you need to talk to somebody yeah, that knows how to do it. The, the because, book is a good start, though, because men are very hesitant to seek professional well, and help it's for not, that kind of thing. You right? know, the thing is, is that you you need to make sure that you see a therapist who will say, stop it. Yeah. You can't talk to your husband like this. Yeah. Or you can't do that to the guy. Yeah. You got to stop it. You know, yeah. you've got to have it, it's 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 about the specifics of what's not working. And there's always a way to make it work, but you sure. just have to do it. Sure. You do. And I I just think I think I think I look at marriage especially because I'm not married and I I value, I mean, I look at people who are married and I'm like, that, that relationship, that companionship is so holy and so sacred. I mean, when I marry people, before I tell them, make no mistake, I'm so looking forward to dancing on your dance floor and drinking your wine and eating your steak and lobster. But the most important thing that will happen that day is when you're standing up there and you're looking at each other and you're holding those hands and you're taking those vows. It is sacred. It is. It is holy. It is not about your dress or how many bridesmaids you have. It's not. And, and so like people are, are, have, they just get away or they never fully recognize or recognize the holiness and the sacredness and the sweetness of marriage. Yes, and and at the same time you are you're talking about humans yeah. and you're talking about life that yeah. comes in. So when you if you recognize that you're thinking about cheating or or you think your partner's thinking about it, don't act on it. Talk no. about it. Right. And let and and get to the underlying cause of that and what's not working in the marriage. Right. So then it's not. Um, it, it's just it, take it off the table. Don't let it be an option. Fix it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a flat tire. Yeah. <laughs> fix it. Yeah. It's a great. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this. I had this question when you were talking about sex addiction. You were talking about how um, people cheat to have the emotional connection. Right. If, and the physical. Yeah, physical emotional connection. If you are a sex addict, are your motivations different than than somebody who's just who, if so I do believe that people who are emotionally disconnected, I understand and I see and I hear that if if someone feels emotionally disconnected from their partner, they're not getting what they want, and somebody at their office or somebody at, you know, wherever is is offering that, why that becomes an option. Right. And, okay, I'm not getting what I want there. You're giving it to me. Let's have sex. I get that. But if somebody just has a sex, not just, but has a sex addiction and they're going to strip clubs and they're going to, they're not seeking a, a relationship. They just want sex. They're seeking relief. Okay. The relief from the the misery of being themselves. Oh, Shame. Grief. It's shame. I so, am not enough. I am unhappy and I have not, they, that, so shame, people will tell themselves, I'm just not happy. So I'm going to go do this, Mm -hmm. but it's the relief. It's the relief of the lap dance. It's the relief of the orgasm. It's the relief of acting out. It's the relief of the mystery of it all takes you out of that core shame. So if people don't 
get if they don't fix that core shame stuff, then it'll continue. So but that's what treatment's always about for sex addiction. Got it. So those, those, if I'm hearing it correctly, are two different. One, if I'm not, if I'm emotionally not getting my needs met, or sexually, or getting my needs met in my marriage, and so I act outside of my value system and go outside of my marriage, versus I, I have. I have, so I guess my ultimate question in this is some, can somebody be happily married, be a sex addict and have sex outside of, meaningless sex outside of the marriage, but just to fill this void within themselves, but it doesn't have anything to do with the marriage? Well, I, does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. And the answer is no. Okay. They, they're not going to be happily married because they're not going to be happy. If they're driven from a mm. shame core, they're not going to be happy. Their mm. marriage may work okay, and they may not want to necessarily get out of their marriage, but, mm. they're, but they're reaching out to medicate that shame. I, don't, I think everybody who acts outside of their value system by having an affair mm-hmm. has a shame core that needs to be looked at. Mm. So I don't mm. think it's ever just the physical because you can get the physical relief in your bathroom. Yeah, got it. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, what would you tell, what, what do you say, and I know you hear this all the time. I heard this this past weekend when I was meeting with a man whose who's wife cheated on him. He just said... Yeah, you know, I guess I've just I've never been good enough. I've never been I've never been good looking enough. I'm I'm you know, I've never made enough money. I I've just never I've never been what she wanted. And so, you know, she she and I said that's not that you are not why she did that. Right. You know, it's not because you aren't good looking enough or you didn't make enough money. Like this is not about what you're not. Right. How do you handle, what do you say to people who come into your office? I mean, the first thing people do when they find out their spouse has been cheating is look inside themselves and beat themselves up because they weren't enough. Well, and they'll probably be told that too. You didn't, you weren't sexy enough. You didn't have sex enough. You didn't do. And that's abuse. Right. Right. I think that's abusive. Oh, sure it is. Mm -hmm. Well, um, what do you say to the person who's been cheated on? I say it's not about you. It affects the heck out of you, but it was it's not about you. And and your marriage probably wasn't working great. Mm-hmm. So if there are some things that you participated in your marriage. So there's two entities. There's this this the affair or the sexual acting out and there's the marriage. Mm-hmm. So it, so you got to look at both components. So I didn't cause them to cheat, but I am an active participant in the marriage not being real functional or mm-hmm. not working the way it needs to. Mm-hmm. That's good. Do you see what I'm saying? Sure. So sure. I think that there's typically a a, a piece there. I, I just don't think that people have an affair if they're if their marriage is working. Yeah. And they are doing a bunch of porn or whatever they're doing. Yeah, I agree. And so while it's not that person's fault, it, it, is an, it creates an opportunity for everybody involved to look inside and say, what, what is my part in this relationship? Yeah, look at the marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's not working in the marriage? Mm-hmm. And let's see what we can fix with that. Mm-hmm. What do we need to fix? And there, and everybody has a part in sure. it. Sure. Oh, they even guess. if they, even if their part was sitting with their mouth shut, yeah, and not asking especially, for what they wanted. Especially, I mean, mm-hmm. you, and you know what? I think that is something that I'm very grateful for with with a second chance at a relationship. Um, and yeah, I mean, who knows if I'll get married again one day? But if I do. You know, I'm I'm going to get everything I want, and you have you have been a big everything? part. Everything, oh, I'm, like a Lamborghini. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not on my list. <laughs> but you know, but you can ask for I it. I can ask for it. That's and, right. And and I I have I was in a marriage where I did not ask for what I wanted. Me I was. Too. 
Me too. And I just griped and complained about what I wasn't getting, really. I didn't even do that. I, I just ignored it. I just ignored the fact that there were things that I desperately wanted in my marriage that I did not talk about, I did not ask for, I did not address. And shame on me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I might be the biggest pain in the ass to date or eventually <laughs> marry one day, but damn it if I'm not going to get it all. I mean... All the things within, you know. Well, that's like, why that's why the whole deal breaker thing is so important. Yes. Is you write out your deal breakers. You're going to have five maximum of seven, and then you understand that everything else can be fixed, sure, or negotiated, or yes. something, or compromised. So it's not really that hard. It's not. It's, it's ju- really not. You just have to be an active participant in it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and I will not be in a relationship ever again where someone is emotionally unavailable or I we're not talking about how we feel or what we need. I mean, I just have to have it because I am so scared of this wondering where you are, you know, not, mm-hmm. not physically where you are, but where are we emotionally? Are we happy? Are we, I mean, just, I've got to have that assurance that, well, I think that that's the illusion of control a little bit, Tova. Is that oh, you know <laughs> oh, <laughs> is, that, is that you uh you can be okay when your when your partner is not okay some of the time. It's really about being able to realize that we can you're in a relationship that it's safe emotionally, physically mm-hmm. to talk about it all then you'll be good, even that's, if you don't get what you want. Yes. You know? But that's, that, I think that's what I'm s- saying. I like, do too. Like, I just want to know that we're going to always be open. We're going to always be honest. I'm going to always know where I stand. Like, if something's going on, let's talk about it. Well, like, and, you know, I think a lot of that, the responsibility for my husband being comfortable to talk with me about anything or to ask for what he wants a lot of that responsibility lies on me yeah that's a it's the really way that i listen thing to, to that yes so it takes two to do that tango yes really good yeah. and really good reminder because yeah. so so often people do put themselves out there and then they get bit and then guess what they don't do that again right yeah yeah Thank you, Janice. You're welcome. You're just Sweet. the oh, best. You know, I was thinking when I was listening to the introduction, your voice is so good in that introduction and everything. And I was thinking, I'm going to try to use that accent today. And I forgot. Uh, <laughs> what? I'm going to work on a French It's a very accent. soothing effect. <laughs> you want to know what's so funny about you, you saying that about your voice? I had someone at my house yesterday that I was counseling who said, you know, I can't wait to sign up for you and Janice. Uh-huh. I'm coming to that. And she goes, I can't wait to meet Janice. <laughs> and I said, oh, you're just going to love her. She goes, I hang on her every word. And her accent, <laughs> like, I can't wait to see what she looks like. Well, if anybody wants to get my <laughs> accent, just get you a, a clothespin and put it on your nose and you'll have it. <laughs> Janice. No, oh, I've told you even gosh. my girlfriends in California, they're like, her accent is the cutest thing in the oh, world. Oh, gosh, Tova, I love you. You I make love me feel you. good. Everybody loves you. So thank you, Janice. You're Today welcome, was so Tova. helpful. Thanks, so appreciate Kevin. it. Thank you, Janice. Yeah, Kev, Kev, thanks for all your questions. Oh, thank yeah, you, guys. We love you. Happy to contribute. <laughs>